you know, pay money to walk in the door and buy records. That was so new to me. I, I just, I was surprised to hear that. You know, I was too. James, when we first started dating, he got into it. He didn't even have a record player. And he stumbled into one of the longest running record shows around, which is the um, Tacoma 45 swap meet or swap. And that's every June. We'll be actually be there this year. Our good friend Don Kirsch runs that show at the um, Wild West VSW Hall that's uh, on Union and 19th, right by Target in Tacoma. Mm-hmm. And he wants in and he bought some records and that kind of started it for him. So he would go a little bit here and there and we would go to garage sales like most people do and find one and go, oh, gosh, I love this song, I'll buy this record. And as his collection grew, of course, we had to get him a record player because what's the sense of having records if you can't listen to them? <laughs> so we started a trading and we found that it was a quite a fun community, the sellers and buyers of the record industry that's resurging around here. And we found that we could find better deals by buying big bulk uh, records at one time and saving the two or three out of the hundred we bought. But then what do you do with all the rest of them? And that's when we decided, well, we'll go give a show a try. And, you know, we made like $200, and we were like, oh, my gosh, that's great. <laughs> Let's try this again. So we would go and do another show, and then it just became a thing, and it's something we love. We're about two and a half years into this, three years or so into selling. And, of course, we call it a profitable hobby. It's not our business like some of these other people. Um, but it's great. We have friends that we see from Candy, Oregon, and... Um, there's a couple guys that come up from California that literally drive from Southern California and L.A. to come to our show and other shows in the region. And it's great to be making friends all over, just like you with your writing. You become friends with the same people that you talk to on different um, blog posts and things like that. You become friends with different people in your industry, and it's fun when you get the opportunity a couple times a year to see them in person versus just communicating over the phone or Facebook kind of thing. And it just became more of a fun event versus just selling things. Well, I'll tell you, I could definitely relate to that because a few decades ago, long before the internet, I got involved in a 501c3 fundraising organization that has chapters throughout the country and you would meet people we would do each of these chapters would do a few big events to raise money for different charities every year and we'd go to some of them and you'd see the same faces and sometimes these were people that you ended up being really good friends with but there was no way to really communicate other than the telephone back then and if you're talking to somebody in new york those phone bills can mount up so it was always just so fun to go to an event and have these people show up, you know, because it was really the only time you got to hang out and talk. So I, I can relate to that, absolutely. You know, yeah. even with social media the way it is, it's still fun to physically see these people from time to time. Exactly, and it becomes 
that he had somehow rigged up to work with it. And our friends would come and they would sit on his speakers because they were so big. And they would say, oh, put this artist on or put that artist on because they loved truly the different vibrations that different artists would come out. So even not hearing it, like you were saying, being able to dance to it and work the stage and stuff, being able to hear, feel those vibrations and enjoy it that way also makes those memories. I mean, that's a memory that, you know, I have 15 years later and, you know, it's still something that I think, wow, that's so cool that they enjoyed it just by sitting on the speakers and feeling the vibrations. And so we would hang out at Ace house just because he had the best speakers. <laughs> yeah, so, in fact, one of our customers um, is a deaf guy and he's a really big, Deadhead, and for those of you that don't know, Deadhead is somebody who's really into the Grateful Dead, and he has an amazing, amazing music room, and here's something for you to try at home. Um, he listens to music with a helium balloon, specifically a Mylar helium balloon because it works the best. But while you're listening to the music, if you're closer to the speakers, the sounds will actually reverberate inside of the helium balloon, and so it adds a whole other dimension to how you can enjoy the music, and it's really quite something. So if you have the chance, even just a small speaker for your Bluetooth radio will work, but if you hold, you know, a, a little um, latex balloon with a party balloon, you can still feel it, but a mylar balloon, you can almost feel the words bouncing around inside of the balloon, and so it's experiences like that that I would have never had if we weren't doing this. Wow. That's amazing, amazing, right? Yeah, that is just awesome. So, Amy, how many of these shows do you do? Um, this year, I think we'll round out with 10. Um, and this will be our biggest year because we added some out-of-state events this year. Um, but yeah, we do somewhere between six and ten, just depending on what we're able to get into. And we also host our own show. So for those of you local, in October we hold the Biomania Record Show. Uh, you can always find more information also on our Facebook page, which is Biomania Records. And we host a show at the 56th Street American Legion Hall, that's 56th and Bridgeport. And we actually host a show there that I run. My husband has his table of records there. And then we invite all of our friends, and they come in and bring their records and sell there as well. Wow. Well, I've got a question. I know you did that last year. Uh, How did that go for you? It went very well. We... For our first year, we did more than just breaking even, so we figured if we just broke even, we would be thrilled, um, and almost all of our vendors were so thrilled with it, they asked us if we would go to two a year, and that felt a little daunting <laughs> to go from an October show to a certain show, so we told everyone, okay, we'll do a second show next year in the fall. And if that goes well, then we will also do a spring and a fall show like some of the other record shows run uh, twice a year. There are quite a few that do. And so if this one goes well, which everyone comes, so 
in October and then one in the spring, sometimes between March and uh, maybe May, just depending on the other record shows. Wow. Okay, Ronnie. That was busy. Excuse me, ladies. Uh-huh. I have a question. And this comes from a Dan M. He asks, is there a particular music genre that you focus on? current stuff. So you're saying that there are a lot of artists out there that are still putting music or albums or vinyl? That is correct. Um, I want to say it was around 2007, 2008, something like that. Um, there was a new pressing plant that was opened in, in Detroit. Um, and I apologize, I forget the artist's name. That is not my forte, remembering people's names. <laughs> But an artist actually opened his own pressing plant in Detroit to try and bring back the vinyl and also bring some economic opportunities to Detroit. And so a lot of bands started slowly putting their records out on vinyl again. So you can go to places like Target, uh, Best Buy, you can go to FYE. And you can actually find brand new factory sealed artists like, like I said, Imagine Dragons, you know, Sam Smith, um, Pink, you know, things like that. You can buy those brand new, the same album that's on iTunes, you can go and get that brand new in a record. Huh. Wow. So vinyl is yeah. making a comeback. It is. It's making a big comeback. We do prefer to focus on the older stuff, um, but it is something to make money. And so we do try and get newer stuff as well because customers ask us for that. And we seem to be, right here in Tacoma, we're in a great little spot because a lot of the record shops are either south of us in Olympia or Portland, which has a huge record scene, or north of us in Seattle and north of Seattle, but also have a huge record scene. So here in Tacoma, where we're located, 
there's not as many buyers, there's not as many shops. And so we have the opportunity to kind of get a lot of those missed opportunity buys in our area that helps us diversify from some of the other um, vendors that are either north or south of us. And so that's a big advantage we have here in Tacoma. Yeah, because that was one of the things that I heard about that people, some of the major, some of the uh, bigger artists and some of the old school artists are making vinyl again. I just wanted to get that confirmed. So now I know. That is correct. They are. And they're even reissuing records that maybe came out in the 60s or the 70s. You know, um, the many you just played your heart out. Say Jimi Hendrix. We find a lot of Jimi Hendrix records, but given the time, it was the time that people definitely liked to smoke weed, get high, listen to some Jimi Hendrix, <laughs> so it's not uncommon for us to find a Jimi Hendrix that has an incense burn in it because they knock their incense over and it melted a little hole in it. So people want to still listen to that, and they still want that experience of putting it on the table and hearing that swish of it starting and at the very end. <laughs> but they don't have that record because when they were 15, they got stoned and burnt it. Yeah. Happens all the time. So now people are actually remaking that record on brand new vinyl. It's what we in the trade call 180 gram re-release. And that's the weight of the record. And they're improving some of the sound quality. They're making the record a little bit harder, a little softer to make it so it's easier for people to play on different record players. And so they're actually bringing back old music in an old platform, but with modern technology. I had no clue of all of this. <laughs> I thought, I honestly thought records, the album, I thought they were just kind of a dying breed. And they were. There's a big section of time from the mid to late 90s to the, uh, about, you know, the mid 2000s that really, they were few and far between. The 90s is probably one of the hardest section of time to get records from um, because they were phasing them out a lot of artists were switching over to just cassette and just CD because that's what was most popular then and so that those are pretty coveted if you have anything especially if it's punk or hard rock you know bands like Metallica program um, obviously Nirvana those kinds of bands if you have that stuff it's likely worth a reasonable amount of money. We're not talking hundreds or thousands of dollars, but, you know, 20 to $50 a record more than likely. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have, you know, a whole bunch of, of old albums here at the house that I've collected over the years, but I don't think I've bought an album in probably 10 years at least, if not 20. It just yeah. was not something that I, I mean, I don't have a record player anymore, really, and it was just easier to download music or to buy the CDs. So I, it's probably been 20 years since I bought an album from a store. Yeah, I mean, in the, what, eight-ish years I've known you, I don't think you've bought one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, well, it, was, it was funny because when I was working in the clubs, you know, they had the DJ and the, the turntables and, 
everybody brought albums in and we had little tags on them that had our name and then what song we wanted the DJ to play and when we wanted him to play it. But that was the only music format that we had back then. And I remember when CDs came out, I was so shocked the first time I went to somebody's house and he pulls out this little disc and puts it into his stereo and lo and behold, there was music. I'd never seen it before. You know, so I mean, I've, I've watched music go through a few phases in my day, but I, you know, I just kind of figured albums with the downloading and the CDs and all of this and streaming music and all of that, I just figured albums were, had seen their day. They were going to be gone. I'm, I'm actually glad to know they're coming back. Yeah, you know, there's actually been a little bit of a debate about this as of late because as a society, we are trying to be more eco-conscious or eco-aware. Some people are saying, you know, realistically, we have the ability to only stream music, so we shouldn't be replicating any physical material for these, whether it be a CD or a record or what have you, whatever the media format is. Some people are arguing that it should not be brought back, that it really should just be uh, digital music. But I think how you were saying there's, you know, everyone has an attachment to it. There is such a tactile sense that's involved with it, and there is something about whether it's your CD or your cassette or your record, getting up, going over your stereo, you know, putting it in and, and playing it to the end, and even with a record, to flip it over and say, oh, gosh, I love side A or side B and always go over and I'm going to put my B side on. And it's great. My husband and I time things as, do we have enough time to finish a whole record or just one side? So <laughs> it's nice. It's a nice time point to mark things or, hey, when this side of the record's done, let's get up and do a little cleaning. Or it's just, it's nice. It still has that tactile sensory interaction with it you're right you're absolutely right i mean i think music it's something different to every person but i think every person you know has that connection my mother loves music but you know she's in her 90s she doesn't stream anything she doesn't download anything you know but she does like to sit back and listen to a CD on her CD player. You know, she really enjoys that. My father, on the other hand, was very much into music, but he only liked instrumental. He didn't particularly care for anything with lyrics. He wanted the big bands. He wanted, uh, he liked Herb Alpert a lot and the Tijuana Brass. Oh, and yeah. He would, he would, yeah, he'd play his, his albums because we, we had a stereo in the living room and he'd play his album. And he just loves sitting back there in the evening and listening to his records. And, you know, again, this was many years ago, but, you know, I think that was really important to him to be able to do that. Um, so I, I was, I was going to ask you how long you have really had a, a connection with music, but I think you answered that already. But um, I, I will ask you, though, how does this business, how, how does it affect you, uh, your family as a unit? Is this something that you all enjoy? Is, you know, there, there is your daughter. Um, I know your husband enjoys it, obviously, or he wouldn't be doing it with you. 
each box holds an average of 80 to 100 records. You could average that to about 90 records in the box. Whoa. And each box weighs a pounds. So this question, I have another question. This comes in from Brian Davis. That goes along with what you just talked about. Is it hard to take all the records to shows? Oh, it is very hard. Um, and you said the question was from Brian. So, Brian, we did a show down in Eugene, and it involved us renting an SUV because they, the vehicle we used wouldn't make it all the way down to Eugene, so we rented an SUV. We had to then puzzle Petra's piece, all of these 18 boxes, into the SUV. So that's one round of carrying them. Then we had to carry them into our hotel room because they're finicky. You can't keep them in the car. And you don't want them to be breaking and stealing them. So we had to carry them into the hotel room, back to the car, to then drive across town to take it to the venue that the record show was at, carry them in, and then again, carry them back out when we're done, and then carry them into the hotel, and then carry them back out, and then drive all the way home, and then carry them back in. And there's a certain point where you're like, screw it, burn them all, I don't care. <laughs> and it, it can be exhausting because you're putting all these boxes on the table, and so if you're sitting, you can't really see the people. So there's a lot of standing and sitting, standing and sitting, up and down and moving around, and, and it's sort of a funny hunch that you get yourself into when you're thumbing through the records. So you're in really awkward positions for 10 hours of your day and sharing loving these boxes in and out. So yes, it can be very taxing to move the records about and make it to the show. I carried a couple of those boxes back into the house when you guys came back from that last show, and I'll tell you, that killed me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then it kills you by doing it, you know, a few times for each show. I mean, it's, it's moving each box four times to get it, a minimum of four times, to get it from the house to the car, car to the show, and then back home again. So each box has to be lifted a minimum of four times. Just to get there. That's way more lifting than I want to do. Okay, we're going to take a break real quick, pay some bills. I will turn the show back over to Greg, and we will be back in a minute or so. This is G.E. Shaw, and this is Mixar Radio tonight, hosting the Ronnie DeShay Show. And we'll be back, like he said, in a couple minutes. Are you an independent musician? How would you like to have your songs played on hundreds of radio stations just like the one you're listening to right now? Join MusicSubmit.com and we'll promote your music to radio stations and blogs in your genre. It's free to set up your account and we guarantee your music will be considered for airplay by radio stations worldwide. Why not sign up today? It's free. MusicSubmit.com, radio promotion for indie musicians. Hello, this is G.E. Shaw once again. If you've been thinking about learning how to get into a new career dealing with podcasting, online radio, streaming radio, all the different names out there, you ought to try out my friends at Anchor. 
That's www.anchor.fm. They will they give you the best of everything for podcasting, especially people who are just starting out. Unlimited free hosting, which means you don't pay for it. One-click distribution. And this one-click distribution gets you to all the major players out there. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, every platform out there. Anchor does all the work. Monetization for podcasts, something new that Anchor has just bought on. If you want your listeners out there listening to you, and they love listening to you, have them make a donation. That's Anchor. And you can record from everywhere. Anchor. www.anchor.fm Check it out. You won't forget it. This is G.E. Shaw. Mix our radio. See you later. We're back with Miss Ronnie and Ronnie and friends with her guest, Heather. And we're talking about music. Thank you, Greg. Um, I forgot to say earlier, but if any of you listening have any questions, feel free to uh, message them in on the, what do you call it, Greg? (laughs) The show page? uh, We have a chat line. So just hit the comment section and we're good to go. Enough. If, if not, I'll um, get to you as soon as this is over with. <laughs> okay, anyways, getting back to our conversation with Heather, um, who, in case you're just joining us, is here from Vinyl Mania Records, and they basically buy and sell albums, uh, so on and so forth, at the different record shows around the area. Um, what did in all the shows that you've done, what was your favorite one, do you think? Our favorite show is definitely the um, Northwest Records show, which is one of the biggest in, well, it is the biggest in Washington that we hold here in the I-5 corridor. Um, but it's held at the Seattle City Center Armory. Our friend Mike runs the show. Mike and Benny, they run the show. And um, it's great. It, it used to be held in the key arena, but of course, because of the remodeling, we can't use the little uh, conference space on the side of the key. So we're just across the parking lot in the armory, and they have this fantastic bagel shop in there. You can get a wood-fired bagel with pomegranate cream cheese. Which I know, Ron, is not up your alley, but you can get plain bagels with plain cream cheese. <laughs> I like bagels. I like bagels. And I like cream cheese. They also make rainbow bagels there. They're, they're just plain, but they're colored in different rainbow colors and then twisted together so you have this fun rainbow donut-looking bagel. Uh, but that, honestly, I, it's a huge show. There's a lot of people. There are actually buyers that fly in from Tokyo to buy. Mm-hmm. And Ooh. so that's quite fun. Um, but it's just the whole atmosphere, the food, the people that come in, it, it's really fantastic. It's also the biggest show that we make as far as profit. So that's always nice. Um, they do two a year and 
their last show was in November, and we actually marked that show at the end of our fiscal year uh, because there's none from November through March. So at the end of the year, when they do their second show, that marks our fiscal year. Huh, okay. Okay. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, so, and then it's our show. <laughs> yes, tell us about that. So, as I said, it's, this year will be our second show. Um, we do have early entry. Most of the shows, if you want to get in and get the primo stuff, you pay a little extra. So our show is $5 to come in, and, and it's a much smaller crowd. We've got a lot more elbow room to go searching, um, and they haven't been picked over too much. And our show is $5 for the first couple hours, and then after that, it's just $3 to get in. Um, we have 26 tables. I believe last year of the 26 tables, we had 19 vendors. Some of them used two table spaces. Um, they all bring their items. We do raffles, so we raffle off um, cool, rare vinyl. We haven't announced what we're raffling yet, but if you follow us on the Facebook page, we do a Facebook-only raffle. Uh, and then we also do a couple there at the show. Raffle tickets are only a dollar. On Facebook, they're free. Um, we do one just for sharing and liking that sort of a deal. Ooh. And then the American Legion post there, it is uh, my grandfather's post. He's been the commander there and all sorts of other positions. But it's been really big in his life for the last uh, 15 years or so. And... It holds a special place in our hearts because I we've held my daughter's first birthday party at this hall, my dad's 50th, my sister's 30th, different things like that there. And so we, we go and rent the space so they get to um, make some money from us renting it. Last year, we upgraded some of their tables. So they got, we absorbed a lot of the cost and they paid a small portion of the cost back us for the table to upgrade quite a few of their tables. And then the Legion guys, they do a barbecue. So you can get a cheap, fresh off the grill, hot dog, hamburger, and then of course, normal snack foods and drinks. They even had some beer last year. So you can walk around with a beer, look at some records, have a cheap, possible hot dog in October. And, um, you know, bump elbows with other folks who like the same things you do. It's quite fun. Sounds like it. I used to uh, play bingo at one of the VFW halls, and, you know, they had the, the good food that was not overly priced, and I loved kicking back with my bingo card and a big old hot dog. <laughs> now, they did a little different than the VFW halls. It's an American Legion hall. So usually the VFW halls, they have some sort of like a full restaurant or a lounge in them, same with like the Elk Lodges. With the Legionnaires, um, they're, they're not as big on having a full restaurant. So the guys actually bring their grill down and then they make that. So it is definitely less food than what you might be used to at VFW Bingo, but it is still definitely great food and real inexpensive. It's their biggest fundraiser. And it's actually their only fundraiser of the year. They hadn't actually ever done anything of this magnitude. And so it, last year was their biggest fundraiser for that hall ever. Um, so it's 
information that means something to my family, my grandpa especially. Um, and so that's, that's another reason why we hosted it, was to give them that opportunity to have that fundraiser. Awesome. You know, i tell you, if more businesses were doing some of the things that they do as fundraisers, even if there was just a small percentage that was going back, just think of how much better this world would be. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, and, you know, we're not doing it. Like I said, it's, it's a profitable hobby for us. But, you know, we don't make a huge margin. Um, you know, it pays for small little things that we do around the house or a little weekend getaway here or there. But we don't make huge margins because, like I said, it's not our business. Some of the other guys, they do it, they have much more markup because they need to. This is how they make money. Um, but us being able to host the show, you know, what we make in the actual show itself, we make only, a, you know, a, a small margin. But the fact that the Legion Hall makes so much money, it's quite amazing for them because they can do a lot of good with that money. Um, and so it's great. It's great to come and support them and, and, and have have those old guys not have to put as much work into a fundraiser as I, in my 30s, have the ability to do versus my grandpa, who's in his 70s, has the ability to do. Right, right, right. Well, I have another um, question. Go ahead. And this comes from Clark Swanson. And it's, let me read this right. Do you deal with current or indie musicians, mainly indie musicians? Um, we do get some here and there. Um, I do have a friend, though. His name is James Beach, and he runs the Northwest Metalworks um, show that's in Seattle. He also runs the Kelso Longview record show, and he recently wrote a book about uh, Northwest bands. Most of them are more hard rock, uh, hard metal, but he does deal a lot more in the indie because he actually has legitimate connections to the music industry. In fact, um, one of the guys that sells at the record shows works at a, a record press in Portland. Um, so soon we'll actually, I will be going there with my Biomania friends and taking pictures and showing some of the stuff of a record plant. You can stay tuned on our page for that. But um, it's great because they get a lot of that that stuff. So at a show, if you were to say come to my table and ask for indie, I would likely send you to James's table unless I had something else you were looking for. I would help you with that, but then I would send you to James's table because he has a lot more of that. Oh, okay. Uh, I have one other question. Uh, and it's just mainly for me. Do you carry any Motown? Not a whole lot. Motown doesn't really have a whole lot of value to it, unfortunately. Um, disco is very sadly bastardized from the music industry. It's sort of one of those things like when you have a bad haircut in middle school and you kind of try not to let anyone see that. that. That's sort of the way that 
the music industry t- treats Motown, unfortunately. Now, I'm not saying that's my opinion. I'm saying that in the music industry, that's how it's generally treated. Um, and so, unfortunately, the records just aren't worth a whole lot of money. Um, so we do. We get some here and there. You know, we'll have some of the Jackson 5. Um, oh, gosh, I can't think right now. I'm sorry. But, you know, we, we get Motown artists here and there. But I would say we probably only have, you know, maybe 10 or 15 maximum at a time. Hmm. That's interesting. That's interesting in that some genres of music seem to have, you know, like you said, they're that bad haircut. Right. Like boy band pop music. Nobody buys it, you know. Sometimes they'll see it and like, oh my gosh, you have a new kid on the block and they'll buy it because they think it's funny. Um, you know, or David Cassidy. Oh my gosh, David Cassidy, I swooned over him as a child and you know for two or three bucks somebody will buy it more because it's funny than because they actually want to put it on and listen to it hmm that's kind of a shame actually <laughs> yeah and like I said it's, it's not what I'm saying that I don't think that that music is good it's just it, because it is a business I do have to consider what people are willing to buy and so because of that I don't carry a whole lot of that but um for for you, for Motown, that's something that a lot of people sell on 45. So if you did want that, the 45s in the Motown are a little bit more valuable. If that was something you wanted for your own collection, I would definitely encourage you to come to the Tacoma Record Swap in June in Tacoma. Um, that one's a great one. And, and I post the stuff on my page for when and where they'll be uh, throughout the year. So that's one if you wanted Motown. That would be a great one to come to to get some of the Motown, but on a 45 instead of a full 38. Oh, okay. So, well, let me ask you this, Heather. Um, if somebody is looking for a particular album and they just can't find it, or maybe they're looking for, they've got an artist and they want to build up their collection of this particular person, uh, since you don't have a, <clears throat> excuse me, actual brick and mortar store, can they contact you through your Facebook page, or can they email you and buy this from you privately? Yes, absolutely. And if it's local, we don't mind to have people come and buy from our house. So you can always come to our house. You know, we're just on the east side of Tacoma. Um, but we can also ship uh, standard post mail. You can ship a record uh, for media mail, which is only $4 shipping, so... You know, we would just charge that to you. We'd send it standard media mail. And um, you can have that record in your collection in about three to five days, just depending on how long the post takes to get to you. And that's anywhere in the U.S. So any of your friends who might be listening to us here in Tacoma or in Washington, if you're in New York or Florida, I can send it to you there, too, if that's what you're interested in. Awesome. I may yeah, have to come to you guys and buy a couple records myself. <laughs> yeah, and we, do, we have a little bit of a watch list also, so if there's something particular that's a little bit more offbeat, we kind of try to watch for those to see if we can find those. Of course, I can't guarantee them, but if I do find that and I kind of have you on a watch list, I can let you know if we have that item and if you're interested how much it would be, and I can ship it to you. That's the thing we're happy to do. And on our Facebook page is all of our contact information. You're welcome to email us. It's uh, VinylMania8 
at Gmail or message us through the Vinyl Mania Record Show page. Um, both ways, we try and respond within the day that you message us. What is this called? Um, what is it that you think is probably one of the most um, standable genres of records? I mean, I know you said that you deal mostly with classic rock. Is is that because that is the most saleable genre? Yes, I think universally people are mostly looking for classic rock or the blues jazz. Blues jazz is a little bit harder to come by in the artists that people are looking for. Um, and then definitely some of the real modern stuff. Okay, by real modern, what is that? You know, the stuff that you're hearing on the radio right now. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't listen to the radio myself, so I'm kind of clueless to what is being played these days. So, couple categories of buyers. We have younger buyers, and they're looking for quintessential music, they're looking for funny music, and they're looking for new stuff. Um, so those are going to be the buyers that are going to buy the newer stuff for the most part. But then there are collectors like myself, or there are buyers like you, that are looking for just music and I think the majority of people that are coming to buy are older generations they're older than myself you know 30s and older um, and they're looking typically for classic rock because those are the things that we grew up with we have connections because we listen to our parents play it we must our parents may still have their records those kinds of things so now Mom's not giving up their, their Beatles collection, so now I need my own for my own house. That kind of a thing. So a lot of those people are buying the older stuff, like I said, pre-90s. Right. Okay, so, now you had mentioned earlier that you had a couple of events coming up. What is next on your calendar? Oh, boy. The next one is the end of this month. And bear with me while I just queue up my calendar here real quick. There are so many that come and I forget exactly which day they are. I think it's the last weekend of this month. I apologize. I should have had that queued up already. Oh, no worries. The next one is going to be the Lake City Record Show, which is going to be Sunday, the April 28th. And that's from 10 to 4 at the Lake City Community Center. And again, I do have this posted on my Facebook page. And then after that is going to be the Tacoma Show. Okay, I got to ask. The Lake City Community Center, is that in, is that, I, I know there's a Lake City in Lakewood and there's a Lake City in Seattle, I think. Which one is Seattle. Seattle, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's Lake City, Seattle, and um, it, it's free admission after the early bird hour. So from 10 to 4, it's free admission. So you don't have to pay to get in, which is the only one of the shows in the area that is free. They sell albums, which is going to be the large standard size, the 25, the small ones, and the 78s, which are the really old, uh, like, glass uh, style 
records. There are people that sell sheet music, memorabilia, posters. Um, you know, people have things like lunch boxes and artwork and those kinds of things that they bring. So it's, it's a good diverse uh, set selection of items, not just vinyl records. CDs, cassettes, all of that. Right, right. Now, I, I, I know that you guys have sometimes driven to some out-of-the-way places to make a score on these records. How far do you generally go to to buy the record that you are then going to sell? Well, we've driven all the way up to Swim. Uh, we regularly go up to the Port Townsend area. But for the most part, we stay on the I-5 corridor um, from, I would say, Tukwila to Olympia, Tumwater. That's probably our standard back and forth. We drive out to Graham on a regular basis. We buy from somebody who buys massive bulk, literally buy the tonnage records. Um, so, you know, we, we have a couple regular place people that we meet and we go to. Um, but, like, we're going out to Ocean Shores next weekend. And so we will be making some stops along the way, and we'll be buying some records on the way. Um, so we have no problem driving all the way out to Ocean Shores to buy some records. I have no problem driving out to Port Townsend and then going to one of our favorite little diners for breakfast. We try to make an adventure out of it whenever possible. Wow. Okay, Greg, we are almost out of time. Are there any more questions from the listeners before we close this down? No, there isn't, but me. And okay, you can have. <laughs> I only have one other question. You were talking about music and venues and where you travel. Is most of the music that you sell, is it mainly also based on locale, like the Northwest compared to the Northeast or the East Coast? Does it have a... Uh, play in how you get your music and what you play? Um, yes. And we don't go out of the state except for down to the Eugene show or Portland. Um, so just Washington and Oregon. Okay. That's going to be, well, the very, you know, very, we're the Pacific Northwest region. So regionally we are pretty comparable in what we listen to. However, some of our vendors fly all the way up to Texas to buy and sell, and they like to do that because, you know, country music here doesn't have any value. People just don't buy it. But say in Texas, people are willing to buy that. Um, we also have buyers. You asked about Motown. I have somebody that buys from us and other friends of mine that are vendors. They actually buy it and ship it to the Philippines. And that's music that they like down there. They like the Herb Albert and Tijuana Brass. Here, you can't pay somebody hardly to take Herb Albert and Tijuana Brass. Not as a show. <laughs> yeah. you know, so it, it definitely is different where you're at. Just culturally, um, community-wise, the kinds of music that you're going to generally listen to. Here in the Pacific Northwest, Grunge and metal is a huge theme. Grunge was born here in Aberdeen and Seattle and Tumwater. That's where it was born. And so it's in our roots, and there's a lot more of it here. Um, so if you're on 
fly to other states to buy records and bring them back. We don't. We're not that serious. But, yes, it does make a Well, you gave me some information and some enlightenment. Things I would have never known. Yes. But I'm glad that the vinyl is on its way back. See, I told you you were going to enjoy this show, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, you did. Well, when it gets closer to, to our show, I can definitely come back on again and see if people have more questions. And um, definitely, you know, I'm happy to come back and talk about it and, uh, you know, plug our stuff as well as my friends. Like I said, you know, my friend J uh, James Beach, who has the Northwest Metal Works. He's one of my good friends. It's always fun to plug our friends. Uh, you know, down in Portland, there's a great place called Crossroads that quite a few of my friends, they sell their records at Crossroads Record Shop. You know, so it's, it's fun to help each other out because that's the kind of business community it is. Exactly. Okay, well, we are at that time. So, Heather, I want to thank you so much for coming on tonight. This has really been an enlightening hour for me and I think for Greg as well. I don't think we knew 90% of what you told us tonight. And I really want to thank those of you who are listening. We appreciate the fact that you tuned in. Um, I hope to see you back again when we come back in a couple of weeks. And I guess that's pretty much it for tonight. Greg, do you have anything you want to say? No. Just love the show. And we'll love to have you back. Absolutely. Great. Well, I will be happy to back, be back, and thank you so much for having me on, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Okay, thank you. Go home, go to bed, get some sleep. Thank <laughs> you. Good night. Bye-bye. And you've been listening to Ronnie and Friends. Special guest, Heather. We're talking about old-school music and old-school records, 45s, vinyls, and guess what? They're on their way back. Yay! This is G.E. Shaw. <laughs> and this is Ronnie from Ronnie and Friends. And we'll see you in a couple weeks. Have a good night. Fighting it, 
screaming, crying, screaming, lighting now and then. Putting you first, stay through the worst. I lost my friends, giving you everything, hoping that this never ends. But you were never good to me, should have known that you never could. Truly, feeling feelings that I never should. Give you up, I thought I never could. Truly, but I'm a better now. Feel like a go getter Seem fine, hopefully I can get it someday But in the meantime, addiction That addiction to you You are my addiction Try to hide, but it's true I'm addicted to you Addiction That addiction to you Try to hide, but it's true. My addiction is a 